Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college who do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand, on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in, 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh, yes we do. Talking sports, uh, it's for you. Play and play, and we spit it every Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is a Monday, a Monday in May. Hope you had a great Cinco de Mayo, a great sports weekend. Lots to talk about. We will be joined by a former NFL tight end, George Reister. Played with the Jaguars, a little bit with the Giants a former Oregon Duck, talk some Pac-12 football, a little NFL draft talk. Ray, the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs are on fire. Our Yankees, I mean, is this spring cleaning? Because everybody's sweeping somebody. It's just sweeps in the air. I guess it's uh, May sweeps. The ratings, I don't know, man. This this is uh, really big. Real quick before George comes on, what were your thoughts of the Kentucky Derby? As always dreaming – Two Brooklyn boys, the owners, one of them a co-owner of the Florida Panthers, get it done. That was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Two kids sitting on a stoop dreaming about horses, uh, (laughs) sloppy conditions at Churchill Downs. And it was amazing to see that this is the fourth year in a row, that fifth year, I think, that the favorite won. So the odds makers know what they're talking about. And what's funny is that these guys have a very short window to predict how good they are, right? They turn to their two going to three, and then they run two, three races, and then, boom, you got the Kentucky Derby in May. So good for the odds makers, I guess. They got it right. Well, especially because a lot of people always dream it was a favorite, but people also liked, um, what was it, Classic Empire, and then the Irish Horse. Some people liked Patch, you know, um, it, it was fascinating, but, you know, you just – you had that feeling. And good uh, for the trainer. Uh, what is it? Todd Fletcher. That was, I think, only his second win, but he kept, you yeah, know, coming. Yeah, second one. Yeah, but he kept, you know, coming close all these years in a row and got it done. Um, I thought it was fun. I'm sure the rain dampered it a little bit for the live audience members. But uh, for television, you know, I didn't, I didn't have my mint julep. I figured one year – it's one of those bucket lists. We got to go to Kentucky Derby. But in the meanwhile, in the interim, I need to have a mint julep that's not $2,500 and have a Kentucky Derby party at the house, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you saw Who's that. Who's $2,500 for a mint julep? They were, they were showing the prices and they're making it. And I was like, they had a $2,500 mint julep, Ray. I was like, wow. What's that made of? Uh, too much money. <laughs> I think they're hanging out with LeVar Ball. <laughs> oh, my God. Wearing big baller and, and shoes way, for four ninety five. dollars coming out to November, so he's just taking the pre-orders. And $220 for a slipper, for the flip-flops, and four ninety five for the sneaker. But um, I saw him today promoting it, man. I, you know, I, it's hard not to like the guy. He He's interesting, man. It's, it's, it's you know, he's shooting for the moon, and I got to respect it. Yeah, I hope he doesn't make enemies or, or write checks that his kids can't cash because 
I've never seen kids with so much pressure on them now because of what their father's been doing. It is a, it is a fascinating uh, dichotomy. Marinovich, maybe you know he was yeah. Out well, there that's what I was spoken. thinking about. Tom Marinovich, exactly. That's that's the one I was thinking about it. So let's talk a little hockey, man. Alex Kovechkin and the Washington Capitals say no. We will not die. I, I'm impressed. Uh, you saw the same thing with Anaheim over the weekend. But tell me your thoughts. I mean, do you feel like now? I mean, it might even be shifting that Washington, they might wind up being able to pull this out. What do you think? No, I don't think so. No. I think uh-uh. that it's all about Pittsburgh. They have their number. And, you know, in that battle of Ovechkin versus Sidney Crosby, it's it's Pittsburgh all the way. I can't see a scenario where Pittsburgh loses two games and Washington goes on to the finals, even though I predicted them to go to the finals. Uh, they're up tonight, one nothing in the first already, but I just have a feeling that Pittsburgh is too tough. They're, they have too much experience, too much poise, sit the kids back, they're on fire, though, Ray. The goalie, I mean, come on. He was standing on his head this weekend. If they win in Pittsburgh tonight and force the game seven, I'm come still on. Pittsburgh. I, I've just okay. been devastated too many times. I, too many times. You, they you let don't me trust down me. too many times. Are you excited like Susan about – Lucci. <laughs> oh, wow. Or, or Jerry Springer, 28 years, and he's got no Emmys. That's fascinating. I mean, not like it's quality television, but gosh, you think the guy by luck would get like one Emmy. Someone would feel, you know, some kind of way about Jerry Springer. (laughs) So do you, I mean, does Edmonton pull it out? So that's an interesting one, right? Edmonton goes and forces that game seven and Look, when your best player is 20 years old and has never even been to the playoffs, oh, that's a little tough to win that game seven. I don't know. I don't know. I, and I, I think the Rangers win tomorrow and force the game seven against Ottawa. Back in Ottawa on on Thursday? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that the games in Anaheim, but back to the Oilers and Ducks, I tend to think the games in Anaheim, I think the Ducks win. I just have a feeling that Connor McDavid is going to have to come back raring to go next year, but not this year. That's fair. That's fair. Well, you know, hockey, I mean, like I would say, unlike the NBA, it's, you know, been fairly competitive, especially this round. The NBA we'll get to in a minute, not so much so, but you want to talk about competition. You got to look to baseball right now. Two of the best teams in baseball or four of the best teams in baseball playing each other, the Orioles and the Nationals, the Beltway Series. O's are already up 4-1. And our Yankees, who just swept the Chicago Cubs, Ray, and especially 18 innings, 5-4, what a game, what a series. Um, they're already up on the first-place Cincinnati Reds. And by percentage points, the Yankees, 690, have the best record in baseball. Come on, you've got to love that. They do, they do, and the funny thing is, is so many plot lines in that Chicago Yankee series. Araldis Chapman blows the save in the ninth. 
Yeah. It was up 4-1. So that cost <laughs> both teams nine extra innings. They set the record for strikeouts in a game. They had 48 strikeouts in a game. That's wow. pretty amazing. And the Yankees, the team that was supposed to be in rebuild mode, is now the team with the best record in the league and the runaway favorite for returning to the World Series and winning the World Series, the Chicago Cubs. They are a 500 team. Now, lucky for them that NL Central is terrible this year and nobody's running away with that division. Don't say that to the Cincinnati Reds. Don't you dare. The Reds are back ahead of schedule. Uh, I don't know about that. I think they'll come back to earth. It's only been 30, 32 games for each team, and I think ultimately the Cubs run away with that division. But you're right. Right now, as it stands, right now the Cubs are doing their thing. I mean, sorry, the Reds are doing their thing. I'm impressed with that. I'm also impressed with uh, our boy uh, Sterling Castro leading the AL in batting at 355. Um, you know, well, obviously that was another from this huh? weekend, think about that. Starling Castro leading the league and actually goes 0 for 8 on Sunday, but yeah. has a fielder's choice to drive in Hicks in the top of the 18th inning. But, yeah, Starling Castro, the, the, the stud that Chicago essentially gave up on. Now, if you had Baez in your farm system, you can yeah, give up on Castro yeah. also. But he comes back and is a hero in that series. I'm pretty impressed, though. That's not something – look, even if he finishes the season, let's say he's at 355, let's say if he just cools off and finishes at, like, 305, I still didn't expect that type of season from him. He's looking like he's finding his way in New York along with Judge and Hicks and these guys. I, I really think this Yankee team um, is ahead of schedule, and we're going to have to, you know, give some props – to our GM, you know, I think uh, our boy is doing a good job, man. Well, he did a great move getting rid of Beltron, getting rid of Miller, and getting rid of Chapman, and then getting Chapman back. So, yeah, in at one, the end of the season last year, in one very three-month span, and also getting out from under Brian McCann's contract, you know, Gary Sanchez showed up. And Look, acquiring all that Judge talent. Hicks, got a lot of talent. They're probably going to have to make a trade or two for a starting pitcher. Because I don't know if you can go in with Severino, Pineda, and Tanaka into the playoffs and and hope to win it all. But and CC this team is set up. Well, CC probably won't pitch in the playoffs. I don't think CC. I don't think they go. They go that deep. That CC. You don't need to go four. I think I think they'll have to go four if they're in a, in a second round. If they make it into a DLS divisional round, I think CC sees a. He's a starter. I don't think CC's even the fourth starter. I think he's the fifth spot starter. He's like the the guy in case you don't have the trust of the veterans. How many veterans are out there peddling? You don't trust him. No, no. CC's days are over, and I love CC. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know his days. I I don't hear the love. Yankees have to make a trade. Yankees have to make a trade. Like a divorce, I'm hearing from you from your (laughs) mouth. I love. No, no, I'm, I'm not confident. I'm not confident in CC in October. Sorry. Okay, that's fair. That that's definitely fair. So, um, how about this? You have to be confident in what's happening, obviously, with teams like the Nationals in Baltimore. 
But when you look at them, sort of the counterparts of, of the Yankees and the Mets, what's going on with Matt Harvey? Are you, are you, is, he, is he down in your neighborhood drinking? Because I'm hearing that he's all over New York City drinking. I don't know if he's in the LES or the Village or the East Side. Tell, tell me, what's going on? Are, are people spotting him? Because my man just didn't come to the stadium at all on Saturday, and the Mets suspended him. That's crazy, Ray. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. So nobody's talking about this, but there's a little bit of mutiny in New York, right? Mm. Noah Syndergaard says, no, I'm not going to have an MRI on my no bicep. Or bicep. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, you're under contract. You will have an MRI on your tricep. <laughs> Because I don't know if his lat is related to the tricep, but it seems awfully coincidental that a week later, when you were hurting in one part of your body, another part of your body totally blows out. So that's mutiny, you know, number one. Now this kid, Matt Harvey, doesn't even show up on a Saturday. Is it Terry Collins? Is it time for Terry to go? I mean, maybe, but that's more of a GM thing, too. Sandy Alderson, yeah. you know, sat there and, and was like, oh, yeah, you know, we support the player. And, you know, I'm nah, more about I the players. I think both of them need to go, Ray. That's not, that's not okay to me. What's happening? You need, happening like, Earl Weaver to be up in there and slapping some cats up. Billy Martin. I mean, you need yeah. somebody to shake up the – I always – if I'm honest, I always felt like – Alderson and Collins was a temporary fix for New York. I think they've been there two or three years too long. You know, they kind of righted the ship when we were saving money. But I think to get over the hump, it's time to bring in some of the bigger guns. I've always felt that. Even as a Yankee fan, um, you know, and this, they've been there a while now. I think, I think it's, it's past time, if I'm being fair. That's, that's what I've always felt. You know, you might be right, and – this team, at least from a pitching perspective, is set up for the next five years. So you better make sure that the ship is right, and maybe you got to make a move or two from a GM perspective. But that's a good job to have. I'd want to be the GM or the manager of the Mets. So this is not the Mets of 10 years ago. I mean, this, this is a really good team. So actually 10 years ago, they were pretty good. This is not the Mets of seven or eight years ago. So – yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they have to make a change, but but something is something's wrong there in Queens. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think we got a little delay with George. Hopefully, we get him on soon. So before let's we go to uh, basketball, wrap... let's let's talk basketball. Okay. Let's get into it. Can, can we just make a make an observation here? Uh huh. Have you seen a Jekyll and Hyde playoffs like this ever? So, so this <laughs> playoffs has the second, this round, the second round, has the second highest margin of victory, and every game is a blowout except for one. Every game has been decided by ten or more, and the right. only one that wasn't was the Cleveland-Toronto game. Give Toronto credit. They didn't just lay down, especially without Kyle Low- Lowry. But Who just opted it, out today. <laughs> You're going to have two teams more than likely that sweep and two teams that go six or seven. So it's really Jekyll and Hyde. But even the games that are going six or seven, it's blowout, 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 blowout. It's the weirdest thing. I don't remember this ever happening in the playoffs. I totally agree with you. I'm not surprised because 
to different NBA and we're shooting more three pointers than ever. So that specifically shows up with the Celtics who shoot a lot of them, surprisingly so, because they're not as good as we think as the Warriors and Rockets, but they shoot a lot of them. That's a great um, point. It's the like Cavs shoot college. a lot of them. And also you've got the Rockets. So from hot to cold, um, you've seen that in the Rockets Spurs. In the Warriors, I mean, in the Celtics Wizards, it's home and home. But I do believe the, 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 the tide will turn, uh, I guess it's tomorrow night. Can the Wizards, and I think that if they want to win the series, they need to win game five and then win at home in game six. They've got to get Kelly Oubre back, which I didn't think he should have been suspended, but whatever. They got to get him back and Porter and those guys going at Boston and slow down Isaiah Thomas on the road. And if they're being physical with him, then they got to continue it. And maybe the rest start to call more fouls, you know, and I, and I give Isaiah credit. He's like, wait a minute, I'm kind of a superstar. I scored 33, three games, 53. I mean, you know, can someone notice these guys, every curl, every pick, every screen, they're holding and grabbing me. He needs to shoot more free throws. And he's kind of right. He kind of travels a lot, but he's also right about the fouls. So, I mean, where do you think that series turns is it will it just go home and home till game seven or do you think the wizards kind of stopped that and they, they figured it out got some confidence after two at home they go to boston tomorrow night and sort of close that door i think the wizards are the better team yeah. but i think it takes till game seven to win in boston mm. i have a feeling that boston goes home gets fired up isaiah thomas gets some calls that he wasn't getting in washington and gets them in boston and i think the celtics defend home court their others contribute look they don't have a great roster from a talent absolute talent standpoint but they play well together they're tenacious they play deep Avery Bradley can bother Beal Thomas is is kind of a the weak link on offense, right? But they have to go out of their way to try and post them up. So they had Otto Porter doing it. Oubre gives them a little bit more depth. But I think you, you try too hard to get out of your game plan to post up Isaiah Thomas, especially on the road, and you might get yourself in trouble. So if Boston can shoot and Boston can defend and play with high energy, I think they have a very good chance of holding home court and forcing that game six back in Washington, which I think Washington would win, and then it would go back to Boston Garden for a game seven. That would be great. Okay, I can see that. Let's talk about what we what what is going to try to happen tonight, and we'll get to the Cavs in a minute, but the Warriors attempting to sweep the Jazz and keep pace, being undefeated and, and sweeping with the Cavaliers. What Kevin Durant did the other night when Basically, the Splash Brothers were kind of cold, you know, not great performances shooting, but they still played their defense. And that's what people forget about this Warriors team. You can't compare them to Houston or any other team in the league that tries to chuck up these threes, Ray, because they play D. And then Kevin Durant, all three of these guys are not going to be cold. And that's why they're so dangerous. Eight points, 13 rebounds. He was on fire, and I felt like he kind of was a statement. Not only am I back, I'm clutch. Kawhi's not better than me, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the reason why we win the NBA Finals. That's what I felt Durant 
was putting down on that. How do you look at that? And then also, how do you look at tonight's game? Do the Jazz keep it under 10 for once in the series? Because it hasn't been. Do they get a win? Or do they just lose another game like 105 to 92 or 96 or whatever? How do you feel game four plays out, Warriors-Jazz? So game four plays out just like game three did. The Warriors are a little shaken by the crowd. They're a little bit rat- – I want to say rattled, right? They're the defending or have been to the finals two uh, last two years, right? But I think Utah gets into the game, the crowd, the noise, Gordon Hayward, Rudy Gobert. They have some talent on that team. They stay close. Maybe they even take the lead for a couple minutes. But ultimately, and this is where every team except for one or two falls short just because it's a 48-minute game. And Utah doesn't have the thoroughbreds, the horses, to go 48 minutes with the Warriors. If that was a 40-minute game, they could have won it. But you cannot keep this Warriors team that's so much more talented than you are, uh, especially at the, at the top three or four you know, positions, right? So you talk about Draymond Green. But look, the four best players on the court are all yes, Golden State Colin, Warriors. Yeah. So there's very few teams that can, that can break into that top four, and unfortunately Utah is not one of them. I mean, Utah has the next two best players in Rudy Gobert and, and uh, Gordon Hayward, or maybe in reverse order. But they just can't. They just can't deal with them. There's too many. Forty, like you said, forty-eight minutes. It's not going to be the case where the Splash Brothers and Durant are not going to be able to score. One of them's not going to be able to score twenty-five, thirty, or score at clutch points as needed. So Warriors are too deep, too talented, and even though it's on the road, and Utah's not an easy place to win. This Warriors team is special, and they just they just dismantle them like Cleveland did. Maybe it's close because, like Toronto, Utah wants to go out and, and won't, doesn't want to get swept. So maybe it's uh, you know one ten, one o two. That's fair. You know, I this team is really good, and you know what? No shame on the Jazz because they're a good team. I mean, <laughs> they. I hate Losing your point Gordon guard Hayward. right before the playoffs, that doesn't help. Yeah, and, and you know, George Hill will probably be back for this game, but you hate to see the, um, them lose Gordon Hayward. I hope he doesn't leave. And then Kyle Lowry. I mean, let's talk about the Cavs, but I hope Kyle Lowry, he opted out. I hope he doesn't leave. Maybe he wants to go back home to Philly. Maybe he goes to the Spurs, which might be the perfect fit, Ray. Um, but you can't sign LeBron, him if you're Toronto. Yeah, but what LeBron James is doing – is on another level. I mean, averaging 35 points, he had 35, nine and six. It looks like, and it's hard to say in year 14, it looks like he's a master. I heard somebody say today, he's like a father playing with his sons. I mean, he is sunning cats, you know, shout out to mob deep, but he is definitely playing in a whole, it's like he's in a whole different court than the other guys. And it's beautiful to watch. And then whenever he needs to, he could just like, Huh, your turn, Kyrie. And then Kyrie is just like, oh, I'll score 11 in a row. You know what I mean? And, and when Kyrie puts cats in the spin cycle and dances on them, it's one of the prettiest things to ever watch as someone that played ball, that plays ball, that watches it. Kyrie is just a fun player to watch, Ray. 
People can say what they want. They might not like the regular season. They might not like the Cavs-Warriors dominance. But two, these two teams are some of the funnest teams to watch. It's fun to watch Kyrie and LeBron. It's fun to watch Tristan Thompson. It's fun to watch Durant, Thompson, Curry, Draymond Green. And he's, you know, talking about Kelly Olenek. Oh, I guess kind of rightfully so. But it's like, who are you, uh, you know, Draymond, to talk about them? But give me your thoughts on how special uh, seven straight Eastern Conference Finals and maybe on his way to seven straight finals for Mr. King James. We said it a couple weeks ago. Can a star be underrated? You know, in retrospect, you look at guys like Moses Malone and Isaiah Thomas, and you say those guys may be underrated. They don't get the deserve. They don't get the respect they deserve. But with all due respect to those guys, those aren't top five caliber players. But LeBron is, and he might still be underrated. The impact that this guy has, he just absolutely dominated a conference for the better part of a decade. Keep in mind that he went to, he's going to go to seven straight finals, but he took his calves to finals where, now granted they got blown out, but he single-handedly took his calves to a couple finals. And they were manhandled, but this guy is just the absolute epitome of a franchise maker, uh, an NBA legend in motion. And if you can't appreciate this guy for what he is now, then maybe two, three years after he retires, when things return to normal, it's not normal for a team to go to seven straight finals. Oh, the guys whole world's going to miss him, finals. right? <laughs> it, it's, you're right. It's not normal. And everybody's going to be like, wow, we, 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 we saw maybe the second greatest player ever, and we were so busy, caught up in – Oh, Miami, oh, Cleveland, and uh, you know what I mean? Instead of just... The decision and how yeah, they did it and the three. I hear people still talk about it, and I'm like, oh, my God, are you guys children? Shut up. LeBron's amazing. So I think we got our guests. Let's, let's leave the NBA alone, and let's get to football and the NFL draft and Pac-12. We have Georgie with us. Yeah, hey, also, uh, yeah, you're breaking up, George. As, as well. There we go. All right, now we can hear you. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. You cannot stop the NBA talk just because I come on the line, man. I oh, am, I, I we'll am, talk NBA. I am, yeah, we love it. <laughs> I am waist. I am waist deep in. So let me ask you this: You're in LA. And you haven't had meaningful basketball in a while in terms of the Lakers. But with the Clippers, are you – is it time to, like, cash in the chips and break this up? Or does Man, Blake stay it, with it his is, option? And do you keep this team together, or is it time to move it on? It's time to blow it up. It's time to blow it up. Because it's something that can't get better. Uh, we're losing you, George. Oh, we're having a hard time hearing you, George. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm going to call. All right, George, we'll get back to us. We'll talk okay, to Okay, I like the fact that he's a football guy into basketball. And, you know, sometimes we, we, we put 
sports guys in a box. Because usually some guys that we've interviewed, Ray, they're about their sport and that's it. But I like George's versatility and his passion, man. I like an NFL guy. It reminds me of Steph Davis. I think here's George again. You know, saying, hey, I'll talk some hoops or football or whatever. There's George. All right. Yes. Welcome back. Yeah, I'm back. You should should be able to hear me good now. Yeah, yeah, much better, much better. Yeah, so I was, I was saying it's been time to blow this thing up with the with the Clippers. <laughs> They've proven they can't get out of the uh, second round. And Blake Griffin, like as good as he is, he hasn't turned into a superstar yet, like somebody who shows up and is transformational in the playoffs. And yeah. also he doesn't possess the most important ability in sports. Does not possess it. And the most the most important ability in sports is availability. And he's Amen. never available when you really need him the most. Yeah, that's that's tough, especially a guy who you have to decide to keep him for the next five years, right? And this is going to be five years, oh. forty million. This is this is a big deal. Um, oh but let me God, yes, I wouldn't pay if I were any general manager. I, 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 and as much of a talent as Blake Griffin is, I would not give him a max contract. I just would not do it because. He disappears in the fourth quarter, and he's always hurt when it comes playoff time, like in during meaningful games during the regular season as well. Like he's just not available enough. So, so, so for my money, if I'm an owner, I respect his talent. I respect that he's an all-star and that he has special abilities. But at the same time, if I'm trying to win a championship and build a championship-caliber team, he's just not a guy that you can that he's shown that you can't build around right now. So let me add, let me keep it in L.A. for you real quick before we get to football. But we we do want to tap your brain a little bit on on this whole L.A. thing because we don't we don't get that vibe. We're you know we're in Arizona, New York. What's going on at UCLA and that whole ball family and the big baller brand and 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 we were just talking about this before. Is this putting a lot of pressure, maybe undue pressure, on the three kids? And Lago especially because he's the one that's going to get drafted, maybe by the Lakers, maybe not, but he's the one that's going to get drafted, and there's going to be a huge spotlight on this kid before he even played a preseason game. I mean, the 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 the, the reality is this: is that we are a society that we like to tear people down and you know and poke holes and find find faults, right? I would say that I have not agreed with everything that Levar Ball has done. However, with this shoe deal, I want him to win. I want yes. him to win in the, in this way because as a person who has been an endorser, as a person who has been an entrepreneur, is that you want players to be able to to be able to have more branding and more control over the these things and make more more money than um and, and the big bigger cuts, right? The thing that I don't agree with is his business model with these shoes, which is Yes, doing the pre-orders is very smart, but the the one thing that I know from being in a retail business before is when you're getting things shipped from overseas, especially from China and some of the other uh, countries that manu- manufacture these shoes, your um, their ship date is November 24th, and that's pushing up, pushing in on um, the Chinese New Year, which slows the lead times way down. So, I mean, in real in reality, people probably aren't going to start getting shoes until after the new year. And at $495, it's not a sustainable model for for people to order shoes. 
because because a I'm I'm a shoe collector. Like I have a ton of shoes, and I'm a, I would what you consider like a, a sneakerhead. Right. And and when I look at it, I'm like, okay, the Lonzos don't look bad. They look much better than I thought they did. Yes. They look a lot. Well, like, they Curry. do. They do look. Yes, they do look better than Curry. They look a lot like Kobe Kobe tens, but that's something something else. However, but for four hundred ninety five dollars, I can get a nice pair of. I can get a pair of Jordan retros, which are which are which are hot and and. Um, and make me look good out here in these streets. I can get a pair of LeBrons. I can get a pair of LeBron 13s, and I can get a pair of Kyrie threes for one pair of Lonzos. So, and, and, and so that that sounds like three three colorways that are going to make my outfits look amazing versus one pair of black black and gold Lonzos. So. When you have a kid who is because their parents are going to be the people paying four hundred ninety five dollars for these shoes, right. when when the parents show them that they're going to be like, eh, nah, I'll t- I'll take I'll take the Jays and the street cat cred because Lonzo right now he might not be the deal. We got to see. No, you're right, George, and and I think that's that's a very realistic way to look at it. So let's let's get to the football, man. And one thing that I really want to talk to you about because. Everybody's hyped it up, and we know this draft, just like the NBA draft, oodles and oodles of O's, little props to De La Soul, of talent. And for me, obviously, most of it was on the defensive side, but this might have been one of the best tight end classes ever, from O.J. Howard to Njoku, you know, on down to Ingram and, 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 and more with Everett. I want to find out from you, we kind of know, most people know, most of our listeners know about Howard, even Ingram at Ole Miss, um, you know, David and Joku at the U, but give me some of your thoughts about, you know, who might crack that top three or even, you know, would be part of the top five, whether it's Gerald Everett, who went to the Rams, and you know that offense is inept and they need some help from South Alabama, or did you like Adam Shaheen who went to the, the Bears? Uh, give me a couple of guys that you were impressed with, even the Jets getting uh, Jordan Leggett um, from uh, Clemson. Break down the okay. tight ends for me. So, so with so with OJ OJ Howard, I think he's a special talent, right? Oh, like, I what think a steal he's, at nineteen, He's he's fast. the The only thing that he hasn't proven, which is is that is that that he can be a consistent receiving threat. At, at at Alabama, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot of that, and and you know, and get open on third down. A lot of his, those the, the big plays that he had in the national championship, like those those were scheme plays, and he's wide open, and he did use his athleticism to do something special. But the question is, can you can you get open? Can you catch the ball in in, in tight windows? Are you willing to sacrifice your your body when you're going to get hit in that way? But just from what we've seen in terms of big play potential and all that, yes, he is that. Um, I like David Njoku from Miami, but yeah. you know, I, I, I think he's just small. Like he's not. I mean, he's only he's only two forty six, and he hasn't shown in um, a big time willingness to a uh, block. And the people that they he, they compared him to are. Vernon Vernon Davis, which I don't think is a fair comparison, and then and Eric Ebron. And honestly, if I were a tight end, I really wouldn't want to be compared to Eric Ebron because he. I I, I mean, just just because I don't think he's going to have 
at yeah, this rate of – He had a good season of, his past season. He's turning it Yeah, in. but his his model, which is I want to catch the ball and I don't block any block anybody, is not a sustained model for success in the, in the NFL. Like you at least have to be a willing blocker, and he's not that. Um, Gerald, Gerald Everett from South Alabama. I mean, like I've seen the kid like at the combine, but no, but nobody has seen this kid play at South Alabama. I mean, right. that's just the truth about it. So yeah. I have no idea about uh, him and Evan Ingram from from Ole Miss. He's a wide receiver. He's only two hundred and thirty-five pounds. So if they can, and the person that I would compare him most favorably to would be Jordan Reed. If you if you yeah. can get him. To in that sort of uh, way where he's more of an H-back, a move tight end, and you don't ask him to do much point of attack blocking, and you can try to, um, you know, get him matched up in the pass game to really, you know, expose some of the the defensive matchups. And then you mentioned Adam Shaheen. I mean, God, I mean, this, this there's probably less available film on, on, on him than the kid from South Alabama. He went to Ashland. Like I yeah. literally had to Google to figure out where Ashland was, <laughs> um, and but but honestly the the biggest steal and I know I'm going to sound like a uh, a homer here, but I think the the biggest steal of this whole thing is going to be uh, Farrell Brown from from Oregon. Really? Free agent. He actually yeah he signed as an un- unrestricted free agent with the uh, Raiders, and I talked to Jack. Del Rio. They had their rookie mini camp this last week, and they said he did really well, and okay. they think he's a potential player. Well, that's, that's a perfect segue into let's talk about your Pac-12. Now, this is such an interesting year. Six guys in the first round, three in the top nine. Right, Ross sneaks yep. up in there with his four-two-two. He's number nine. The two Stanford kids go ahead of him at three and eight. But no Oregon Ducks. So tell me, as an Oregon fan, what you're feeling about you know your program, and also talk to me about the Pac-12 conference and and, and what what this means for for the conference this year. But you know the two quarterbacks coming out next year. So as, as a as a guy who really really gets into, I mean obviously you're a general uh, football guy, but your focus is is the Pac-12 where where yeah. you live and and, the, and what you cover. So talk to us about the Pac-12 and and what uh, what the coaches are saying and and what everybody's saying out there. Well, the first thing you asked about Oregon players drafted, and uh, so Oregon had no players drafted this year. How do I feel about that? I thought that we should have had one in Pharaoh, but aside from, from that, that's actually encouraging. That's actually very encouraging, being that, being that there were, I think, only one, only one senior starter on the whole entire team besides Pharaoh. So, so uh so right. you're not you're a young have, team. Everybody's coming back. Yeah, yeah, and and there were, and there was only one junior, and there was only one junior starter. <laughs> so so you're not going to have too many redshirt sophomores being being drafted. So that's very encouraging. But the most encouraging thing about I would say about Oregon, if anybody is watching, because they had a terrible season last year. They fired coach Mark Helfrich, and then they brought in Willie Taggart. And if anybody's following the recruiting scene, like he's putting together a potential top five class this year. So I'd be excited about where Oregon is going as an Oregon fan. And for the rest of the Pac-12, you know, Stanford is always going to be solid. David Shaw right. is a solid coach. He is going – I mean, like he's not going to have a four and nine year, 
a foreign Is he going to go to the NFL ever? We had him on our show, by the way, and he, he said that he's a Stanford guy, loves what he's building there, and, and could see himself staying there for forever, essentially. The, the, the thing I like about David Shaw is that he's a smart man, right? And there is something in life. I know we all have ambitions and all these things, right? But, but isn't what we really want is to build – is to build something special and to build a legacy, have sta- stability. Like imagine, and I mean, in 2017, everybody's trying to step up and do something big and special, but nobody really wants to put in 15, 20 years at, at a place and really win a national championship and create something special. Everybody's like, oh, I got to get to the show. I got to get to the show. But you can make just as much, as, a, if not more, as a college coach than, than you can as a pro coach, and you can create a legacy. You're, you're, you're at Stanford. They, then your kids get to go there. You are, you know, you're building something special. And so I, I would say that David Shaw, I could see him staying there. I, of course, he's going to entertain other opportunities in terms of listening, but I would not be surprised if he stayed. And you mentioned the, the, quarterback. the quarterbacks in the draft next year. Everybody's pointing at Browning and Washington and um, and the kid and at Darnold. USC. Yeah, Rosen. Rosen. At USC. Rosen. Yeah, Rosen. Rosen yeah. too. Um, okay, so – here, here's what I've heard from multiple NFL coaches. They're not in love with Rosen because they said that it doesn't seem like he loves the game like you really need your quarterback to love the game. Interesting. And he's had some flashes, but he hasn't been consistent. Yes, he was hurt last year. So this year is really going to be a make-or-break year for his pro potential because he's got to show that he's in love with the game because that's the word out on him right now. He's got to show something completely different. Sam Darnold, you know, one-hit wonder so far. So if he comes in and has a good year, he will be the the sought-after pick in terms of quarterbacks. He'll probably be the first player drafted. Somebody will trade away for him, trade their trade their unborn children to draft him. <laughs> Um, but Browning, I'm actually down on Browning at Washington. Really? Well, wait, wait, George, let me stop you right there. Why? Because everything I read, everybody is basically not even considering him a first-round quarterback. I see um, Darnold Rosen, and then I see Josh Allen at Wyoming. Some people say yep. maybe if Lamar Jackson gets his you know, footwork together, maybe he sneaks in. But what's wrong with Browning? He was amazing last season. No, he wasn't. How? See, you and so many other people were actually fooled by Washington's record and the fact that they blew people out. But when you look at what he did, he when when you look at the stats and you actually think about what you saw in those games, he played poorly versus every in every single big game in every right, single big game, game last year. He played poorly in the. USC game. He played poorly uh, in the Alabama, Alabama game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah and defense, but yeah, yeah, and and the defense in some of these games, um, they they kept them in the game. They got turnovers. They they did things that masked his his. He didn't throw touchdowns. Um, it 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 was just below what you would expect. Well, we'll see. You're taking Ross away from him 
this year, so he, he doesn't have any blow. Did, he didn't. Re- I mean, <laughs> the, it's, it's the truth of the matter is is that he didn't even really use Ross as much as you would have thought that he would have. I mean, he Ross was Ross made some big plays for him. Um, you know, and he saved him at times. But when you look at the, like everybody pointed to the Oregon game where they won seventy to twenty-one. That was that was on the heels of the defense and the running game. He didn't play well against Utah, um, USC. He didn't play well. Washington State didn't didn't play all that well either. Colorado, even though they won the Pac-12 championship, they their defense shut them down. Their running game. So he didn't have good like special games at no point in time where you like in games versus good teams where you like, Oh man, this kid is legit. No, it was the rest of the team. It was the defense and the running game. And as soon as you had to put the game on his back versus Alabama or versus, too much for him. yeah. Yeah. And even versus uh, USC, he was just ordinary. I mean, he was super ordinary, and that's not going to cut it in the NFL. Like, you have to show special <laughs> arm talent yeah. versus these good teams, and he didn't do that. That's fair. So how about this, George? Before college football tips off, we're going to have you on our college football preview show. We'll get into uh, the Pac-12 in Oregon, and we'll look at the, you know, the top 25 teams. I definitely want to get that prediction. We're getting ready to end the show, but I got to ask you this. Warriors, Cavs, who's going to win the NBA title this year? Man, stop it. Stop it, man. You are asking me redundant questions. This is this is the Warriors year. There is no there's no stopping this this train. And I'm going to give you the most important reason why the Cavs will not win the championship. LeBron's looking good. Khloe oh, Kardashian. Le, Le, LeBron is looking excellent. I mean, he is he is this is one of the most I'm he's actually making if he can beat the Warriors this year. I will I will actually consider that he could be the greatest of all time. I will consider that. At, I at first, that it was unconsiderable. Too, now it's, if he wins this one, it's impressive. Yeah, but the reason why they won't win is because the Cavs' defense is poor. It is poor. But it's been better for the last third of no. the season, and they're, they're, they're no. stepping up a little bit in the playoffs. No, no, it it uh, hasn't. So, so in the first round of the playoffs, they played a um, – an offensively inept, um, yeah, an offensively inept uh, Pacers team. If you stop Paul George, you stop the team, and they were in every single game. And the Raptors, they they just don't have. I mean, De- Demar Derozan is their best player, and he's an NBA dinosaur. Like he 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 still he shoot, his, yeah. his, his Davis. best. Ability is he has the lost art of the of the mid range jumper. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so, I hear you, but here's here's the other thing: they haven't been challenged, and so they're kind of sleepwalking the Cavs. And I'm not saying I agree with you. Actually, you, I think the Warriors you understand? Are yeah, just, yeah, just Tiger, know, teams don't change their stripes. Just so you know. Teams don't change their stripes. If you are poor on defense all year, you will be poor on defense in the playoffs. It's just like when they lost to um, when they lost to the uh, Spurs in the championship. Le- LeBron's last year in Miami. That was a poor defensive team. 
They lost. Well, you got four gentlemen George. of Cleveland that when they have to, George, they can step up. And Thompson. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so that's a great point. That's a great point. And, and this is the same team essentially last year that did find a way to clamp down on defense, right? They didn't add Kevin Durant. They didn't add anybody that materially changes the chemistry. So if they could go into the George Michael time <laughs> and figure out what they did last summer, then, you know, that movie, I remember what you did last okay, summer. but the problem is this, is that, is that yes, you added – Kyle, Kyle Korver, Kyle, and and he can shoot. Kyle Korver can't guard anybody on the Warriors team. Uh, um, uh, Kyrie Irving is a poor defender. Love is a poor defender. But and they were the, last and year the, too. Yeah, but the difference is is that is that is that a the Warriors lost Draymond in in the most important game of the season, which which was a closeout game, Fair which enough. they game likely five, yeah. would have won, and then they lost all momentum. Um. And Curry was still half half hurt, so it you know it was. It, and it's LeBron set up for the Warriors up. to win. It's set up for them to win. But like you said, oh, yeah. if, we yeah, both, if, if the Warriors the don't Warriors, don't win, they would have. If they don't this, win, this this point. then LeBron. Two things. LeBron is definitely moved up the list to number two greatest player ever, and like you said, has potential to be pulling on the coattails of MJ. We all oh, know yeah. MJ. MJ's the goat. Oh, for sure. No, for, for sure. We'll, if we'll he gets that, a championship this year and next year, it's it's a done deal. Definitely, George. It was amazing. Listen, we're gonna talk to you late August. We are excited about college football and NFL coming back. So am I. I mean, you ah. know, somebody's got to beat the Patriots, George. I'm tired of them. Uh, Raiders and Steelers. Somebody in the AFC. Don't put your mortgage on it, buddy. If, if I know. It, All right, we'll talk about it. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Thanks, George. Uh, Appreciate it. As always. Oh, man, that was great. George Reister, former NFL tight end of the Jaguars and a huge, you know, star at Oregon, Oregon Ducks tight end, um, you know, breaks down football, you know, NBA. He's on the radio in L.A., great guy and also friend to the show. We'll definitely have him back. Great show. Hey, listen, enjoy the game tonight. Watch those Warriors. See if the Jazz can keep it within 10. <laughs> you know, something. That's what we have to hang and, uh, our hat on. <laughs> yeah, have a great sports week. We'll, we'll talk to you on Friday. Oh, tomorrow, Ray, NBA lottery. Let's hope the Knicks don't stay at Go seven Knicks. and move up, move up to the top three. Let's, let's freeze those balls, Ray. <laughs> something. You know what? This is one of those years where even seven will be decent. I mean, uh, it, it kind of at... is, but it kind of isn't. Because after six, it, you know, it's probably Jason Tatum. Then seven, you're you're kind of choosing between Nick Collins, Dennis Smith, the point guard at NC State, maybe Malik Monk, you know, maybe Jared Allen at, at Texas. It's really a top six draft. I don't know. I'm not in love with Monk. I don't remember enough of Dennis Smith. I like Zach Collins from Gonzaga if you want to draft him early, but – I don't know. I'll say this. We better stop all these rumors of potentially trading Porzingis. You know, that whole Twitter account thing, that wasn't hacked. I think he, you know, wants to leave and go to the Clippers, maybe Porzingis and Melo for a blockbuster deal. Who knows? But, Ray, I'm telling you, we just, we just need a campaign to get Phil Jackson out and ask Mike Bloomberg and other rich New Yorkers to buy the Knicks from Dolan. That's it. <laughs> Have a great sports week, everybody. Enjoy the playoffs. We can dream. We can only dream. (laughs) Have a great week. We're out.
Noriega.